It's fully threaded radio. Hi, everyone. Eric Dudas here with a special report episode of the podcast. During episode 157 of Fully Threaded Radio, we discussed the industrial distribution Big 50 lists, as many of you heard. And near the top of that venerable list of industry giants is Optimus Solutions. They're the Chicago-based heavyweight known for helping manufacturers to elevate output and reduce costs with their tech-driven approach to supplying fasteners and related solutions. There have been two major headlines in recent weeks from Optimus, and since they're such a big fish in the pond we're all swimming in, I jumped at the chance to speak with the newly appointed CEO over there. That's Mark Strandquist, who many of you know from his many contributions to Fully Threaded Radio over the years. Now, this isn't a lengthy conversation, but it will give you a deeper understanding about the new strategic direction Optimus set out, and Mark also had a chance to comment on his management style, the sometimes confusing past of the company, and he winds up with an update on the personal setback he experienced a few years back. We discussed that, you might remember, at the time on the podcast. There's a lot here, and I know many of you in the audience will get a lot out of it, so with that, here's the conversation with the remarkable Mark Strandquist. Optimus Solutions is a global manufacturer and distributor of industrial fasteners, as well as a wide range of supply chain solutions. The company recently announced a bold strategic plan to help their many customers and suppliers who are rethinking how they do business. It was also announced that Mark Strandquist has been selected to guide Optimus along the path of its new direction. Mark was promoted to the position of CEO of Optimus after serving in his previous role as President of the Americas. He's no stranger to fully threaded radio, and it's good to see a longtime friend do well. Mark Strandquist joins us now to discuss these developments. Mark, thanks for being here. Hi, Eric. Yeah, good afternoon. Yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased to be able to uh, chat with you. What can I say? But first, congratulations on your new role. That's a lot of news you have to share. So please dive right in. What are the high level details of your new blueprint for Optimus? Well, thank you, Eric. Yeah, we've uh, obviously all of us have been dealing with the tumult of the virus and what it's done to the economy. And we all look at ways of reinventing ourselves. And so we've really spent, uh, you know, this year focused really on innovation, technology improving what we have to offer customers of our current products and services. But we've also been looking at adding products and services to our portfolio so that we can become even more valuable to our customers. You know, specifically examples to that in terms of technology and innovation. You know, we have a manufacturing plant in Chicago, in, in Wooddale, that we're very proud of. Uh, it's a, it's as uh, a lot of new equipment that can make very complicated automotive-style parts. Uh, and we have the ability to, to take on quite a bit of business there. And one of the things we did this year to improve their technology was to, you know, take them forward 20 years and install a new ERP system that's specific to manufacturing uh, through Epicor and, uh, and you know, enable us to really improve our efficiencies and productivity and capacity. That's done now, and so that isn't just a dream of what I'd like to do for the future. That's been complete. Our team there was just so dedicated and focused. You know, now we have the ability where we have, you know, like large TV screens up in the manufacturing shop floor that you can walk by, and each machine is labeled. And by color code, you know, if it's running, if it's not running, what the issue might be. 
So, you know, our ability to collect data and approve how we do things is pretty remarkable. And, and, and we supply complicated parts to a lot of different people. They could be engine parts. They could be uh, truck assembly parts. Um, uh, we, we, we make product for all sorts of different types of industries. And we're looking to grow uh, with that and, and add to our capability and capacity. Uh, and, and right now, uh, one of the things that we've done, you know, when I started, we didn't have a sales force uh, for the Wooddale facility. And now we do. Uh, spending a lot of time going out there and, and looking for those customers that are looking for the kind of added value that we can provide. And it's also a nice uh, uh, addition to our toolkit as we talk to customers about distribution programs. Another component to the innovation is uh, installing and implementing a system for demand planning that's called Tools Group, which is definitely uh, out there in terms of futuristic looking compared to what was being done before. We're very pleased. Again, that's done and implemented. It's not, again, something that is just a bunch of sales gas of what we want to do for the future. We've done it and we're doing it and it's already effective for us. We're seeing uh, inventory levels go down and having the right kind of inventory in stock, having the right kind of inventory in each of our distribution warehouses and not having a lot of excess and obsolete. Uh, and so we're really starting to see some nice inroads with that. And over time, as we burn off those CD uh, and E type of uh, products that are in our, our inventory that we have too much of, and that helps fund us as we want to add inventory and, uh, for new business. Kind of the third component for innovation is uh, uh, that we're just starting uh, and getting going is the implementation of a cloud-based ERP system for the distribution operations. Uh, again, we're, um, we have been running on a mainframe, you know, from the 1990s type of thing. And I'm really proud of how our group is attacking it. And, you know, all the employees are aware of this and, and they understand the importance of jumping forward in time with this kind of technology and what the additional benefits that it's going to bring to us. So in terms of the innovation and technology side, um, that it adds to what we had already, which is we already do RFID for our customers. We're capable of doing that. The scale bin systems, uh, all that type of stuff was already in place. Now we just have better tools in terms of the total components on terms of, as I've said, in, in terms of technology and innovation. Um, in terms of products, you know, so like uh, almost everybody else, you know, that's always the classic adding product assortment that you can provide a customer. And so, you know, as we looked at the planning for that, um, looking at safety items and PPE and, you know, certainly uh, products that would support what is required with the COVID virus and some of the protections people are looking for that maybe weren't there last year in these kind of volumes. So developing that. Um, and so that caused us, uh, we're, we're pretty much done with that program in terms of about fate, what I call phase one. Uh, one element of that is, you know, in, in the environment that Optimus was in over the last five years, all we seem to do is shut branches down and retrench, shut branches down and retrench. And now we're actually opened up a new one for once where we're going the other way now. We're, we're back to expansion. We're back to growth. And, and we have a highly motivated group that's jumped all over that. Actually, the grand opening was yesterday. I saw that on LinkedIn. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we actually had the governor of Missouri there, which, you know, was was a pleasant surprise for us and a lot of a lot of great free press, uh, you know, for us to start up. And, and certainly in that St. Louis, Missouri community in terms of being able to provide all sorts of customers, uh, these types of things. And uh, so, you know, that's launched and going. So it's just those kind of a, a variety of things that I think really have helped us um, and, and helped us as a company you know, uh, get back kind of our mojo, you know, 
in terms of, you know, the last five years for Optimus, I think to a lot of the industry was a, was a mystery. Um, you know, we were great farmers. Uh, you know, most of the relationships we have with customers are almost 10 years, you know, or more. Uh, but we really weren't out there in terms of new business. We were not a risk or a threat to people in terms of uh, what we offered. But I think this year has been spent putting all that together. What's our our value add that we can provide a customer? How exactly can we save them a lot of money? And um, and, and so we're doing that. And I think that uh, come 2021, we are going to be a competitor to be reckoned with, you know, and, and be able to compete with uh, Many of the of the people that are out there today, you know, we have wonderful competition. I, and I have no problem saying that, you know, and uh, they're all great companies with a lot of uh, uh, unique capabilities. But I think the one thing that separates Optimus is the collection of those things. There is there is a very few people that are global. Because when we say global, we just don't have a warehouse in Europe and we consider ourselves global, right? We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in sales on an on a international basis. So, you know, when you, when you look at global, when you look at uh, being able to provide uh, JIT programs and RFID and scales, uh, when you uh, couple that with, with the engineering that we can provide, then you couple that with domestic manufacturing of uh, mail-threaded fasteners, and then you couple that with the PPE and safety. Um, when you look at those combinations of things, there's there's fewer than five people out there that have that total package. There's excellent companies that we compete with that do the PPE and safety. There's no question, but you know they don't offer domestic cold forming manufacturing like we do. You know, there's domestic cold forming manufacturing companies out there that are all excellent and and very good at what they do, but they don't offer distribution services. So, uh, and then when you look at a customer that may have a location in Mexico and the U.S. and Bulgaria, um, we're able to satisfy that need. So, uh, from a global perspective, so when you look at all those attributes and all those capabilities, and you put them into one, you know, I've used the example just today with some of our people. You know, I mean, we're waking up a sleeping giant here. You know, that of capability <laughs> that I think is going to be. Uh, a force out there in the marketplace providing, you know, good quality products and services with very talented people, uh, you know, and, and I think we'll, uh, we'll make a mark out there. So this year has been kind of a retrofitting, refurbishing, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think these things are, are really going to do well for us in the future. Well, it's clear you're bringing a strong mix into the market, and it's clear that you have a, a vision for how you're going to do it. I wonder if we can circle back for a moment. You said a lot there a few moments ago. You touched on something. Maybe we should revisit and then put it behind us. You know, for a few years, the market has really been scratching their heads a little bit about the direction of Optimus. Now you've stated it clearly, but can you speak a little bit about where it's been recently? Well, I think the answer to that is a little self-evident with the lack of new business. I think we we just were kind of s- stuck in neutral, and uh, um, you know the strategies in place and and the and the tools that were going to be used to to implement those strategies just weren't aligned. And uh, I think that's what you know, what my thirty four years of experience I, in both manufacturing and distribution. You know, I, I'm a fastener rat from the beginning, you know, back in 1986. So, you know, I've, 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 I've had a lot of good experience, uh, I think, you know, in, in terms of what's out there and, and I've seen what works and what doesn't work, you know, and, and, 
you know, that's how you gain experience, right? It's not because you're successful with everything or the, the company you work for back when I was just a little puppy and, and working for companies that had, you know, senior management. And I was just uh, one of the soldiers, but, you know, I think a lot of it was just a, uh, uh, kind of a lack of strategy, lack of understanding, really the fastener business. And, you know, I think there was good intentions and, and uh, people were making the best decisions they had for what they, they had. But I think, you know, the ability to, to uh, add fastener experience. So uh, as an example, one thing um, that we brought this year as we restructured our uh, strategic sourcing area was what, what, if you were to say even a, even a year ago, a year ago from today, you know, or, or you know, a year and a half ago, um, if you looked at, you know, the top three, four people, candidly, there was obviously uh, probably 100 years of business experience, but less than 10 years of fastener experience. And so we've completely turned that around. Where now when you look at that top row, you know, we've added people this year that 30 years here, 25 years there, all in the fastener business. And so now instead of 10 years or less of fastener experience and the 100 years of business experience, now we have over 100 years of business experience, but we also have over 100 years of fastener experience. And, and I do think that matters. And I'm not trying to be a fastener snob about the about this industry, but I think it is critical. I mean, you, you do need to have good management, but I think good management with fastener experience is the winning combination, not just good management uh, without any fastener experience. So I think that's one key thing that that has helped us as we've kind of quit being in neutral and now we're you know going to be a little more assertive out there in the marketplace and and hopefully uh, you know a good competitor uh, in, in in the fastener industry. Well, you've put a pretty clear strategy for addressing all of the changes that are coming in industry out there, Mark. And you've also got the domain expertise lined up clearly, and there's definitely a place. I agree with you for that. I wonder if you could characterize your leadership style. You've been put in command of this ship. What are you going to bring into this? How are you going to approach this? Okay, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, let's let's take the fastener experience and put that to, side, uh, to the side as a given. You know, I think um, one of the things, uh, I'll give you a specific example. You know, we went through strategic planning exercise in August and, you know, and, and we had basically the top 34 leaders in the company. And, you know, we, we split it up into a sales and marketing week and then an operations uh, week and put forward the challenges of where we want to go for the next three years and how do we get there. And, you know, it was noted by most of them that they've really never been approached like that before. The kind of previous administration just said, you know, here's a 50, 50 slide PowerPoint and this is where we're going. And they never had a chance to provide input. And so in terms of a style, I mean, I very much include everybody and let them, everybody knows that we're all on an even plane and there's no bad ideas and then come up with suggestions. And so we got full participation and uh, within the, the teams and they came up with a lot of good, aggressive ideas and took on the challenges, you know. And so I think, you know, in terms of style, being participatory and letting people be a part of the decision, because now it's their decision, right? It wasn't a Mark Strankless decision. It may have been an idea that we now fleshed out into a plan, into a strategic direction. But now we've got, you know, those 34 people are going to buy in. And now I have basically a goodwill ambassador, right? Now, as they deal with all their people 
and they spread the word, you know, then all of a sudden now I've got 600 people. And now with this additional responsibility of the international group, you know, I've got 1300 employees that I want to be a part of it and have them buy in because, you know, everybody has kind of a phase two to your, your uh, uh, answer two to your point. Everybody can play a role. So part of the leadership style needs to be how do you educate the employees on what role they have in our success? So if we have a goal of X and, a, and if you're an inside salesperson, what, what do I do to impact X and to make it better? Or if I'm a warehouse person or I'm a quality inspector or I'm a salesperson or I'm a quotations person, how does everybody in the company buy in and, and make it happen? And so I think that's, that is one thing. And then kind of part three to that, Optimus was scattered in terms of the leadership structure, right? We had, we're in a beautiful office building in Glenview that was a remnant of when it was called Annexter Fasteners. So we, there's kind of a compound of buildings here in Glenview that Annexter had. So wire and cable was in one building and, you know, we were in another, et cetera, et cetera. And then we had the Wooddale facility, the manufacturing plant, all the leadership was over there. And so I'm, I'm, you know, uh, proud to announce how, one of the initiatives is we're going to consolidate everybody into one building. And so we have space in the Wooddale facility to do so, believe it or not. We're, it's going through construction right now. Uh, so we're completely revamping a section of the office part so that we can fit everybody in there. And now we're going to be one team. There's no more silos. There's no more corporate. I always hated the ivory palace a mentality, meaning, right. you know, you, you have corporate uh, up in the ivory palace and they're not really connected to the revenue generating locations. And so there's always, you know, this thing about being out of touch and that, you know, being better than others. And I don't tolerate. You're, you're not an ivory tower kind of guy, Mark. I'm not. That, maybe that's bad. I don't know, but I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I, I, uh, I, uh, I'm a simple fellow that grew up in Illinois and the Midwest, and uh, I'm not into that. So we're going to put everybody in one building. So, you know, now, you know, if someone wants to talk to someone, we don't shoot an email and hope that we get an answer. You can just get up from your desk, walk over and talk to the other person. And, and you know, you'd be able to do the fun stuff where, you know, I mean, and it sounds stupid, but whether it's, you know, like one thing we did over at Wooddale was we had kind of a, a cookout thing on a Friday even in the COVID environment, we followed all the right precautions, but everybody wore their Chicago Cub outfit, right? And uh, I even went out nice. and uh, I went and bought a Chicago Cub hat and because <laughs> I really wasn't a Cub fan necessarily, but I thought, <laughs> you know, I, I did what I could to blend in and, and, uh, and you know, now, and we'll be able to do that more as a group now. And even silly things like an ugly sweater day or Christmas celebrations. I mean, we'll be one team, you know, uh, within the corporate structure and all the leadership. And then, of course, we, we always have our branches and we're scattered all over the globe. But, you know, these are the types of things that I think are important culturally uh, that would separate us. As, I don't want to be a, a corporate-centric type of a company. You know, I don't believe in that. I mean, corporate is here to support anybody that's generating revenue, the plants, the branches, the people out in the field that do the real work. I expect corporate, you know, they're not here to support corporate. We're here to support them. And that's one thing that I insist on is, you know, we're not uh, corporate centric that all we do is say, what else do you need? What else do you need? What resources can we provide? How do we make your life easier? That's the mentality and the culture I want out of leadership. Uh, and that's the type of stuff we're doing. So I'm really happy. Sometime around the Christmas holidays, we hope to move in and get out of this building and save some money and then, uh, and then get the tremendous benefit culturally. Right. So you're aware of the bottom line, but you're also culturally aware as well. Well, that's really 
Interesting, Mark. And uh, of course, we'll all be watching to see how you roll this out. I'm guessing that uh, increased revenues are in your future. <laughs> you know, you've said a lot about your personal style here. I wanted to give you the chance also to well, discuss something that we touched on in an earlier episode of Fully Threaded Radio. This is going back a little ways now, but recently you overcame a personal challenge in your life, and that's led you to this point, and it's a big part of who you are and how you approach things. Would you care to update everyone on that? Well, I believe you're referencing, yeah, I had, uh, several years ago, I had got a kidney disease that uh, basically uh, was unable to get fixed in time, and so I ended up having to have a kidney transplant. And so uh, I've had the good fortune of recovering nicely and, and uh, um, certainly not uh, you know, uh, damaging uh, my uh, perspective on life and and uh, makes you put more value to it. But yeah, I've been very fortunate to overcome that. It was a difficult time and uh, going through that process and going through the after effects and, you know, the side effects you get from anti, you know, I'm, on, I'm a high risk guy. So in this COVID environment, I have to be careful about travel, um, you know, being a high risk guy. And uh, because I'm on anti-rejection drugs, which I'll be on, you know, the rest of my life in terms of protecting me from rejection of the new kidney and all that. So, you know, so I appreciate you, you talk, you know, bringing that up. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm proud of the rebound and the ability to continue on and not just feel sorry for myself and, you know, go uh, hide in my house and, and not do anything. I, you know, this, that's why this job is so perfect for me. And I'm very pleased and, and I appreciate uh, American industrial products. Uh, they're the ones that own Optimus, and they've just been phenomenal in support for this year, and uh, you know, and what I do. So I just I love what I'm doing, and and I'm not using um, that issue as something that holds me back. And uh, hopefully, I'm a good example of life after transplant, and uh, and that, and what you can accomplish and do uh, after dealing with some type of difficult situation like that. Well, you've certainly demonstrated that, and I know you won't say it, so I just will. You were admirably courageous throughout that whole period. And we had some things going on during that time and we took care of business, did a little fishing as well. And you were just a soldier through the whole thing. So I'm just great. I'm glad you were able to bring everybody up to speed on that because uh, we did leave off on that subject. And uh, I just can't wait to see how this unfolds for you, Mark. Let me ask you this and we'll wind it up. You've been a great supporter of the Fastener Distributor Index since we launched, believe it or not, about nine years ago now. What did you think about the latest readings peaking up above 50 again? And uh, what are your thoughts in general about the direction? Well, I think it continues to be an accurate tool and I encourage everybody to follow it um, because we're seeing the same thing. You know, as we look at, uh, despite what uh, uh, the media wants to convince us all, um, we are seeing upticks in the economy, and some of the projections for next year are very promising. So um, I think it's accurate. You know, you see log jams in the freight lanes, you know, with containers, and, you know, you're seeing uh, over-the-road uh, traffic increasing and prices are going up because of the activity and more and more. Now, sure, there's some markets that are still hurt and haven't recovered, but there's plenty more markets that have recovered and, and are on their way back to uh, what, what's somewhat normal. So, you know, I'm optimistic. You know, uh, it's it's not my original phrase, but we at Optimus, we're going to make our own economy. And the meaning that we're going to offer better products, better services, more products, 
We're going to lead by innovation and technology. And I, I don't care what goes on with the virus. We're going to go out there and make our, our own economy, you know, and, uh, and, and do well. You know, I, this is not going to be an obstacle. I, I put that in everybody's mind as we talk about things for next year and where we think we might go. Um, I'm not allowing anybody to use that as an excuse. You know, I mean, it is off the table. We're going to find a way around it. I mean, that's what we're paid to do as leaders you know, and innovators, it's our job to overcome these obstacles. And uh, and that's what we're going to do. I, I really feel firmly about that. It's all about attitude. Well said. We've been speaking with Mark Strandquist. He's CEO of Optimus. You can follow what's going on at Optimus at the website, www.optimus.com. Lots of things unfolding there. And it's been great to talk to you, Mark. I'm so glad we were able to do this. Oh, you're very welcome. I always want to support you and what you're doing, so I'm pleased to be able to do so. We'll talk to you soon, and thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a special edition of Fully Threaded Radio. Fully Threaded Radio is a production of Fasteners Clearinghouse.